we are going to have a paper from uh, Manjula ji uh, about Raja Dharma. Uh, the various aspects of Dharma are being covered in this session. And uh, reflections on Raja Dharma, political thought in the Puranas is from Manjula ji and uh, over to you Manjula. So, Namaste everybody. Uh, I don't think you uh, can see me for some reason, but uh, here goes. So basically, my presentation is about Rajdharma, the political thought as presented in Matsya Purana. So uh, first and foremost, I will, in all probability, uh, it is a vast topic. So I will not be able to present everything that is there, even a literature study uh, in 15 minutes. But I would love to give an introduction of how it is presented in Matsya Purana. So basically, why should we study the Puranas at all? I mean, this is a tautology, I'm sure, but here goes. Uh, so sociological uh, treatises are like, you know, Puranas are a snapshot in a certain time. So they'll give you a lot of information about how the society was there at, at a given point in time. And uh, like my uh, Mitraji was presenting, the previous uh, presenter, like she was saying, it's an encyclopedic uh, knowledge system. In Matsya Purana itself, you have, uh, you know, a lot of themes about like, you know, Ayurveda and uh, geography. Invariably, there is a lot of information about geography in every Purana. And uh, there is like, you know, in, in, in this particular thing, of course, there is a lot of information about quality and governance. More, it's like a framework, a, a strategic framework of how to view your own people, your uh, enemies, and so on. So there is a certain strategic framework that is offered in uh, Machya Purana. And uh, of course, every Purana has got the same stories. Every Purana is restating in a lot of ways the, the thematic uh, you know, information of like, you know, how to view things and how uh, musicology or anything like you know the there is a certain repetition of themes in all puranas and the stories are also repeated so that gives you an integrated and uh, organic way of thought and information that is there in our um, in our all our uh, literature we have this concept of desha kala vastu paricheda so basically here is the deal like you know um, Certain information is relevant only in certain areas and only during certain times and so on. So an absolute truth is something that is standing the test of time, standing the test of like, you know, what was in a particular region and so on. So truth is something that stands the test of Desha Kala Vastu Paricheda. Uh, so with that introduction, I'm going to jump right into this, uh, what is offered in Matsya Purana. So we have a system of what is known as the Saptanga, the constitute, constituents of a polity uh, that is also reiterated in Matsya Purana. So the seven branches or the seven constituents of polity in, a, in strategic terms are the king, the Minister, or of course, the uh, Council of Ministers, the Rashtra. Uh, Rashtra is a concept that encompasses the geographical entity 
as well as the people. And Durga, that is the forts, Danda, the army, Kosha, the treasury, and Mitra, the allies. Uh, now, some of these may actually look kind of anachronistic, but there is a way in which you can actually see the framework and then apply to the current situation. Uh, the king occupied the primacy, you know, he occupied the top of the polity, the, you know, the pyramid, the top pyramid of the polity. The king was the um, executive head of the Saptanga. So, and such his uh, safety was paramount. So he was under attack by his enemies. He was under attack by his own people, perhaps, you know, both the internal and the external enemies. And uh, he was perhaps prone to attack uh, by poisons or uh, various different threats. For example, he might, be, uh, he might be forced to drown or he might ride a horse that is like, you know, uh, totally inappropriate or an elephant that is in rut or something like that. You know, the whole, uh, a whole slew of dangers. So Matsya Purana, uh, addresses all those dangers. Like, you know, he's not allowed to be with a woman who he doesn't know. He's not supposed to be riding a horse that is not tamed appropriately and, uh, you know, properly uh, known to him and so on. And the king's advisors, the, there's a whole chapter, uh, you know, that is uh, devoted to the king's advisors and the kind of qualifications that each of those advisors will require and so on. I will come to that a little later. I'll come to that in a greater detail at a little later. So with this in mind, the, uh, to make sure the continuity of the, uh, uh, the Rajasatta was maintained, the prince, a lot of devotion and a lot of time was devoted to prince's training. So there was succession planning and continuity in, in leadership, just so that the prince was appropriately trained and uh, he was given, um, he was made ready to occupy the next, um, he was next in line, so to speak. And that training included, uh, he was given a lot of physical training to be a warrior. And he was given a lot of attitude training in terms of like, you know, what the Purusharthas were and then what his attitude should be towards Dharma, Artha, Kama, Moksha and so on. And then naturally he was given a lot of training in diplomacy and uh, exactly how to be disciplined, how to enforce discipline, how to be disciplined. So both of those aspects were given a lot of thought. And there is a lot of information about like how the king must uh, treat his own son and prince or who are the prince I mean uh, how, how he must, uh, must uh, treat him in terms of like you know how it, there's a certain amount of respect that he has to accord a certain amount of affection that he has to accord but there's a certain amount of you know withdrawal in, in terms of he's not going to enforce a lot of things and let the guy shine for himself and then make sure that he's given appropriate, uh, you know, bodyguards and su such and so on. And he must watch him at all times. So that was the mandate that was given to the king. Similarly, there's a lot of information that is uh, there about the prince's conduct too. 
basically how the prince has to uh, deal with his trainers with his people with his father and king and so on uh the king's responsibilities were this this thing that uh, i i thought this was very cute so the code of conduct uh the king's responsibilities so unless brahmavidhi so the king has to follow a certain brahmavidhi and if he follows that brahmavidhi there will be he will be secure his position is going to be secure so there will be akshaya vidhi so um there is that prescri- prescription about how he has to conduct himself how he has to rule and if he follows that he is going to be secure as a king uh that is the statement that is given in machipurana uh the king was uh responsible for protecting his people he was uh, responsible for honoring the uh, educators of the realm honoring the weak of the realm like widows and uh, people who are like you know depending on him his employees and uh, uh, his subjects and so on so he was responsible for honoring his people educators okay i'm repeating myself and then he has to be in loco parentis in as much as he has to treat his uh, subjects as his uh, children and he was required not to retreat from the battlefield and i'm not sure if this prescription is to be taken as uh you know sacrosanct in as much as he has to be always engaged in the battle but not necessarily like you know that particular battle might or might not be i'm not very sure how exactly it is treated and he must always perform yagnas and yagas and then uh, give danas to the appropriate uh, people so that he will be pursuing spiritual attainment and then he must patronize education and the study of the vedas he must uphold the varnashrama dharma varnashrama dharma is the structure of society where um, all the uh, professions had their own place and uh, there is this very interesting concept of destiny versus free will i'll take a little bit of time on this so basically according to matsya purana uh, so there is always this argument about is destiny better or uh, whether free will uh, trumps destiny and so on so matsya purana has a very interesting way of conveying to the prince or whoever prince in training that destiny and free will are both very important so uh, so it is it is elevated it is elevated the concept of uthana the human endeavor ascent um, it is emphasized in all our literature and matsya purana also emphasizes that so according to our uh, matsya purana thing so basically he gives an example of a seed seed encapsulates destiny you know uh, when a seed is there it comes as the form of a seed it already enca- encapsulates destiny it is the fruit of the accumulated karma so in the seed is contained how exactly uh, the tree is going to be but then 
free will and effort are equally important. The farmer must make sure that it is sown properly and it is fertilized properly and so on. And even with this, there is a time to fruition that, that is required. So unless the rains will happen at the right time and so on, and it is given an appropriate amount of time, the fruit, the seed is going to become a seedling only in its own time. So the concept of destiny versus free will is uh, very beautifully presented in Machya Purana. So the administrators, the, um, the council uh, of in Machya Purana uh, consists of the minister, the commander in chief, the security personnel, uh, officers in charge of armories, spice. There's a lot of uh, material that is devoted to spice. Account, uh, accountants and writers, uh, judges, emissaries, and amb ambassadors and treasurers. So there's a lot of uh, information that is given in Matsya Purana about all these uh, administrators. And there is a, a six-fold policy uh, of how to deal with your allies and enemies. So I, again, this is again a framework of strategy, which I find fascinating. So Sandhi, Sandhi is like uh, an outcome of negotiation with both your allies and your enemies. And Vigraha, hostility. If Sandhi fails, you have hostility. And then how exactly uh, do you carry out uh, you know, uh, a war? That is Yana, marching against an enemy or stationing defensive forces along the border. And then asana is neutrality. Ashraya is alliance or friendship. And dvaitha is waging war with an enemy, one enemy, while making peace with another. So all these aspects of foreign policy are dealt with in detail. Um, okay, so this is something that I am going to, let's see how exactly, I'm not sure how, one second, give me a minute. Yeah, so there is this thing about, uh, okay, I'm focusing on this um, King's personal physician in some detail, basically because uh, the qualifications required for uh, all the, uh, uh, you know, uh, council members, the, the members of the council, of the King's Council are given in great detail. But I just wanted to highlight this particular thing because even at that time, I don't know exactly when the Matsya uh, Purana was written, but even at that time, there's a great amount of uh, expertise that is there in, uh, you know, uh, that is that was already developed uh, in medicine. So I'll go over it in a little bit of detail. Basically, uh, shalya was surgery using blunt and sharp instruments. And there's a, like, you know, he goes into some detail about that, not a great amount of detail, but there is some detail. So what I'm trying to say is the expertise of surgery was already there and prevalent. And there was a certain amount of sophistication that was already present. Uh, shakalya was, is a treatment of diseases afflicting uh, ear, nose, etc. So ENT specialists were already there. 
and kaya chikitsa was general medicine and uh, treatment of uh, metabolic disorders metabolic errors and disorder basically beauty treatments and that kind of stuff you know how exactly to uh, maintain your youth and etc all those things and then there was bhuta vidya that is demonology and also mental uh, ailments all those things come under this heading uh, and kaumara bhritya is pediatrics and then uh, agada tantra or agada tantra i am not very sure about the pronunciation i apologize so this was about toxicology and treatment of diseases conditions occurring due to bites and stings of animals and so on again matsya purana devotes a lot of time and energy to describe exactly how this is done so uh, poisons are dealt with in great amount of detail and uh, rasayana tantra is geriatrics anti aging medicine immune modulators and so on rejuvenation and uh, vajikarana tantra is aphrodisiac and medicines and methods used to increase sexual prowess potency and virility all those things have gone they have been described in great detail um spice so um the agency of spice just like arthashastra uh matsya purana also devotes a great amount of time describing like you know how spice are going to be chosen and employed and sent to various places so spice were both internal and external external spice were sent to enemy territories and even uh, allies uh, to the allied uh, kings territories uh internal spice were usually people who kind of watched over uh, the council members and you know the ministers and the workers in the government and so on uh internal spice were there to specifically understand the trends lives and opinions of the citizens conduct of the government servants external uh, spice were there for the movement of enemies like kautilya says spice are the eyes of a king and uh, but spice were also watched in some sense no cor- uh, spice uh, account was taken as sacrosanct so to arrive at a certain conclusion four spice with a single mandate were given and the information was culled from them and it was kind of moderated then we have law and order this is a very interesting thing a topic so no one was outside the ambit of rajadanda uh, in other words no matter how high up in the food chain a particular person was even a minister or a brahmin or a educator or anybody or even uh, a member of the king's family was not outside the ambit of rajadanda so they had to respect the rajadanda a great deal of information is given about the sentencing codes in a, in other words like what kind of punishment is given to what kind of crime so he patya uh, purana the uh, author or the uh, you know the author of patya purana if you will the authors of patya purana they go into a great amount of detail about like uh, what are the punishments that uh, what are the uh, crimes that deserve the highest punishment and the lowest punishment and so on and so forth that's actually a very interesting topic actually this is the biggest chunk 
of the Rajadharma, actually. So just to give you a couple of examples, let me just find that thing for you. This is actually pretty interesting. I found it completely fascinating, the amount of uh, detail that is given. So Matya Purana cla classifies, there are like, you know, you, you had fines and then you had death penalty and then you had uh, physical punishment, uh, all these things. So the highest offenses, including treachery, they incurred death penalty. Um, and there's also this injunction about the king must never allow the uh, guilty to go unpunished. It was mandated upon the king to uh, not let people go unpunished. On the other hand, he must not punish the innocent. That was the other uh, mandate that was given to the king. So um, then there was like, you know, hoarding the inventory, like uh, hoarding the grains was actually, a, uh, is, was very severely punishable. So if you adulterate inventory to gain profit, and uh, uh, if you secretly sell goods for an inflated price, all those things, they were all fined um, at a certain amount of, uh, at a certain level. And then a merchant selling similar goods of the same quality at different prices must be fined at a nominal level. But if he sells goods of different quality at the same price, he should be fined at a higher level. So there are that kind of detail uh, that you go into. Um, let me find some other things. So the an incendiary. So a person, atatain, a person is an atatain if he's an incendiary, a poisoner, or he who raises a weapon to strike a robber who forcibly takes away land, an abductor of another man's wife, atatain. So all these things, uh, all these, they, they were called atatains. And those people, anyone who slays an atatain is not a criminal. And an atatain basically uh, deserves corporal punishment. So uh, that's a you know prescription that is given. And rape was actually punishable by death. Adultery is punished by fining the person committing adultery very, very heavily. So there are some like, you know, great amount of detail that the uh, Matsya Purana goes into. Some of them, some of the punishments are kind of seen as excessive perhaps in modern times, but the theory behind the sentencing code seems to have been more like a deterrent. Like, you know, severe punishment is offered just so people will not commit those uh, crimes. So, uh, that was the uh, that seems to have been the, the theory, the uh, attitude behind the rather severe uh, sentencing codes. And then excommunication. So an egregious crime like a Mahapataka was actually uh, deserving of excommunication. So people were, would uh, perform what was called a ghatasphota and then excommunicate people. And that also kind of seems, even people who were actually um, consulting with, having a social intercourse with, uh, uh, you know, uh, Mahapatakins were also like, you know, excommunicated. Um, anybody who is a fallen person who does not uh, adhere to a social code was deemed worthy of excommunication. 
And then there's a lot of detail that is given about the forts, um, the kind of forts, the, uh, you know, what kind of palaces should be there and roads, official residences, treasuries, stables, arsenal, gardens, etc., etc. And then a great amount of thought is given to uh, the kind of inventories to stock, like what kind of food should be stocked, poison, the uh, animals, snakes, medicines, herbs. And what I found interesting was that uh, the snakes were grow grown in pots. So they were called ghatasarpas. And certain, you know, the kind of snakes that were actually grown in uh, pots and they were used for their venom and stuff. And uh, there were uh, six kinds of uh, forts that were identified. Those that were in the middle of a desert, those inside, like in the middle of a water body, uh, in the earth, like, you know, whether like concealed uh, entrances that, that were the uh, uh, Durgas, and then Vana Durgas, the forest uh, Durgas, then Giri Durgas. And those that were actually protected, strategically pro protected by an army. So amongst all these things, mountain Durgas were supposed to be the safest. And then we come to this art of diplomacy. Again, it is a strategic framework of how to deal with, uh, you know, everybody. Actually, people who are uh, inside, like, you know, basically people who are your employees, your council of ministers, your own people, your government servants, everybody, and your allies and your enemies. How exactly are you supposed to deal with all these different constituencies? Um, so that was the uh, that's the focus of the you know this framework. So we know the first four: sama, dana, bheda, and danda. Sama is the art of conciliation and discussion. Dana is giving gifts and grafts. Bheda is sowing dissension, and danda is war, making war or punishment, you know, for internal purposes, uh, uh, giving punishment to the people who are criminals and stuff like that. And then war, making war against your enemies and so on. And within that, Yana, our expedition was like, you know, how, how do you march against an enemy? Added to these four, Matsipurana uh, defines three more ways of dealing with uh, enemies. So uh, one is Upeksha, uh, stance of neutrality. And then there is Maya, a baser diplomacy that, is, that advocates cunning and a different level, you know, Indrajala, that uses stratagem, strateg stratagem in war. So Maya incorporates magic, deception, fraud, illusion, conjuring, jugglery, etc., etc. So just to give you an example, Maya is more like... Uh, what Kautilya used against a Rakshasa. So Maya is something that is a lot of your trickery, uh, you know, your uh, planning is not seen outside. Indrajala is something that appears different from what is actually happening. Like, for example, uh, if, if you know the story of Yogandharayana and Udayana. So what Yogandharayana used is Indrajala versus Maya. So that is the kind of uh, difference. I would go into greater detail, but I guess I'll stop right here.
and there is expedition like you know when you go on an expedition for yana there are a whole different things like you know who exactly are your enemies who exactly are your friends a great amount of uh, definitions and explanations are given so vijigishu is a guy that's the king who is interested in conquest and ari is his enemy mitra prakriti is his friend or allies actually ari mitra is the friend of the enemy mitra mitra is the friend of your own friend and ari mitra mitra the friend of the friend of your enemy so exactly how do you identify your enemies and how do you identify your allies that is basically the first leg and then there is this uh, am i going past my time uh you are approaching uh, the time to conclude ma'am uh, okay yeah, so, so i see final thoughts there so probably you are also going yeah so yeah so there is the kings behind vijikishu like you know parsnigraha is a guy who is always trying to attack you know the enemy who's strategizing to attack you from behind akranta is a friend who's always got your back and so on and okay friend of the enemy and the friend of the friend and so on and madhyama is a guy who's a conduit of information between your allies and um, you know enemies and so on and udasina is the guy who's like uh, who who is non aligned um, so basically this is the framework to identify um, the an allies that you need so the final thoughts uh matcha purana has got a lot of information that is very similar to what is given in kautilya's arthashastra and it also has a lot of its own information and the lakshya the the aim of matcha purana is also very similar to what kautilya's arthashastra uh had actually so the uh, final objective of kautilya's arthashastra and matcha purana rajadharma are are kind of similar and then matcha purana in this particular uh, rajadharma it's modeling polity and foreign relationships and it offers a great amount of insights for historians sociologists policy makers students and practitioners of ayurveda of course there is the saptanga modeling which is like you know it's it's like a strategy textbook and six fold policy similarly and the art of war and modeling external relationships is offered so basically here's my final two uh, uh, final thoughts basically so over time we have lost the terminology used to describe all these concepts and you have to be able to familiarize yourself with the terminology to go back and then understand what the matcha purana is trying to tell you and uh, again i am remarkably i mean matcha purana offers a remarkably thorough and strategic method of thinking about polity and governance and there are several unique insights like i said offered by this purana uh, and of course it reinforces and restates a lot of information that is given in arthashastra so my uh, final word if we lose this kind of a information this kind of a framework we are going to lose a lot so 
this needs to be studied in greater detail and with a lot more uh, strategic depth. That's it. Thank you. Thank you very much, ma'am. Uh, there are uh, questions from uh, the audience. Uh, yeah. Most of the questions uh, are focused on uh, what you touched upon during the final thoughts, uh, the connection between Artha Shastra and the Rajadharma portions of Masya Purana. Uh, mm -hmm. So, is there anything that Masya Purana adds uh, different from the Kautilya's Artha Shastra? Is it the same? Yes. Yes. Uh, no, it's not exactly same, but it's, a lot of it is similar. But like I said, uh, Samadhana Bheda uh, Danda, that is the typical framework. So Purana adds the, uh, you know, the policy of non-alignment, the policy of Indrajala and the policy of Maya. All these things are added. They are specific only to Purana. They're not there in Arthashastra, for example. And also the code of like, you know, all those uh, sentencing codes and all those things, they're very, they're kind of different. They're similar and they're also different. Does yeah. it make sense? Yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, apart from the Arthashastra Purana question, the one question is about a very uh, micro level point, uh, the free will versus destiny discussion. Uh, though yes. actually it was just part of uh, a larger uh, uh, suggestions to the king. Uh, the question is uh, actually focusing on the Rajadharma only from a free will point of view. The mm -hmm. uh, question is, uh, uh, this person is calling himself an anonymous attendee and he's saying, what if uh, a criminal says that it was his destiny, not free will to commit the crime? Um, <laughs> very interesting question. Um, I don't know. It could actually be. So, okay, fine. Here is the, here is how I'm going to address this. So basically this particular thing, you know, uh, the concept of Uthana and the, the uh, you know, destiny versus free will discussion is especially for the training, a princess training, you know. So this particular portion is trying to inspire the uh, prince to strive harder, to make sure that, you know, the free will is not trivial. So he must actually strive harder to attain whatever the goals that uh, he's attaining and so on and so forth. Now, coming to the question, the Bhatya Purana also has this very interesting kind of a thing. If the prince is not deserving, in case he becomes, uh, you know, he becomes like, you know, very uh, stubborn, he becomes very uh, intransigent, then the advice, the Bhatya Purana actually advises, okay, he should be imprisoned, you know, he should be taken away from public gaze and then put, put away somewhere. And then he should not be allowed to be a prince. The succession stops there. He, you must develop somebody else. So in other words, a criminal, if he becomes a criminal, then the Rajadanda is the thing that is final. Because even Purana is advocating that even for a prince. If the training fails, put him away. That is the prescription. The, uh, is, are there any references for further study on this topic of Rajadharma in Masipura? Um, I gave a whole bunch of uh, references in my paper. Uh, there is this, uh, the, uh, let's see, uh, there is this uh, 
Jagdish Lal Shastri, Political Thought in Puranas, University of Punjab, but that, I, that is not something that I would recommend. There is this VR Ramachandra Dikshitar, a study, uh, University of Madras, 1935. That is uh, actually very good. So what I did was like, you know, the Maharaja of Mysore has uh, commissioned a whole bunch of translations of all the Puranas. Unfortunately, everything is in Kannada. So uh, Matsya Purana, what I have referred to mainly is the Matsya Purana translation in Kannada, the trans original translated to Kannada. Uh, that is there uh, in vyasaonline.com. He's curated everything and then kept it there. So if you want a Kannada source, that is the original translation of Matsya Purana into Kannada. Thank you very much, ma'am.